yay, I see the magic button. It looks like we are actually recording. Uh, Dan and I have been having some fun trying to get things set up today for our podcast. Uh, Kevin's not with us, so uh, it's just and the it two of us. crashes and burns when Kevin's not around. Yeah, yeah, he's our, our producer, right? So somehow his buttons are different than our buttons. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, hopefully we're recording and we'll actually have some semblance of podcast for you guys. I guess a lot's probably been happening since our, our last recording. Uh, one of the things is uh, it's now officially fall. <laughs> so, you know, the leaves are changing. Nighttime temperatures are getting a little cooler. Days are getting shorter. It's that time of year. Um, so with that in mind, what kinds of things have you been up to, Dan? Um, well, yeah, with the t- temperature changes, I've been uh, slowly doing all my fall cleanup and prep stuff for uh, when the even colder temperatures come. So yeah, it's just been mostly kind of stuff I've been that I've been kind of sitting in pots kind of over the summer that yeah, now it's kind of time to put them in or at least kind of pot them or uh, yeah, better prep them with, you know, mulch and all that other fun stuff to make sure that they survive until next season. So I've been doing a lot of that. Um, yeah, just been, you know, working a little bit, Kevin and I to, yeah, just been been keeping at it uh it's slowed down a little bit but no things are going well i think i mean (laughs) at least work-wise and doing yard work and whatnot and Uh, and then there's all the covet stuff still happening here at least in our area so that's been (laughs) that's been it's up it's down yeah between that and the election i don't know about you i was kind of disappointed with that but anyway well, I mean, it's all part of democracy, right? Like, you know, be thankful that we're able to have <laughs> elections like that versus not. But at the same time, yes, I can understand why. Yeah, to have an election at this time didn't really make much sense. But you know, yeah, well, it's, I just so kind of felt well. like <laughs> with the with the money they spent on the campaigns and all this kind of thing, and then to pretty much have the outcome not much different than the last time, it was almost like, well, what was the point? why did you call an election? (laughs) So it's like, but anyway, but at least if you get out and vote, I feel it's really important to do that. Uh, Then it gives you the right to complain. So (laughs) if things don't go your way, but um, yeah. But yeah. Um, Oh yeah. Did you guys get any, any frost yet? Cause I know being in town, sometimes a a couple degrees difference makes a big difference. Uh, I think there was one or two days, I think last week. Or might have been early this week. I don't know. All the days continue to blend together. So <laughs> I never, <laughs> never know when what's happening, when whatnot. Uh, yeah, but I thought there was a couple days that, yeah, they called for frost. And honestly, I don't think it was very, didn't last very long. And I don't think it was really a bad enough frost to kill things because I had some stuff out that I'm just like, well, it might get cool, but um, stuff seemed to survive. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I would say here, yeah, well, maybe there might have been one day where it was pretty cold. But honestly, yeah, I don't remember really seeing frost in the early morning after the fact. But well, that's good because I know out here, like we're more out in the open, exposed. So mm-hmm. um, it was only in certain, like the most low lying areas. So of course, it's it's not completely level out here. So some of the parts that are sloping down to where the cold sinks develop, um, they got frost, and the stuff up higher did not. So. Uh, and also my my tender garden crops compared to my hardier native plants kind of thing. So our mm-hmm. squash and corn and that kind of thing um, got some frost. But 
only on the extremities. So uh, I noticed after the vines died back, there's a couple of, you know, squash and things still in there that were fine. They didn't get hit by the frost, but the leaves and everything did. So I ended up just ripping it everything out because it's not going to be long before the real one will come anyway. And that kind of stuff won't grow too much more without more heat. I mean, it's been nice, pleasant during the day, but it's still not hot, right? I figure we'll rip that stuff out. And then ironically, I put a few crops of quick growing, cool crop stuff in where I pulled out things like the squash, the potatoes and whatever. And they're probably two weeks in and I'm starting to think, hey, I might actually have some fall radishes and cilantro and spinach and that kind of stuff if we can get a couple more weeks of this kind of weather. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Double double cropping. That's always good around here. But um, but yeah, it's just uh, starting to get that feeling, you know, seeing the leaves changing and things, all the, all the leaves falling off and the mornings are cooler, the nights are cooler and it's darker longer. It starts to get you a little bit more panicked about, uh, oh yeah, I better get everything done in the yard before winter comes because number one, you don't want to be having to do some things when it's snowing and number two some things won't wait that long right so (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i figured um today uh, while it was on my mind maybe just to give our listeners um some fall tips on some prepping that they can do to make things a little easier going into the winter for their plants and their yards and also to help out so they're more ready when spring comes um because as soon as the the ground thaws and the snow clears you want to be out doing things so if a bit of that work's done now then you've got more time to get into the more serious stuff then. One thing I thought of is, well, kind of what I was talking about first there, your more tender plants, if any of them are in pots or, you know, can be harvested or anything like that, definitely pick those or bring them in because they won't make it through the winter. Um, That's the non-natives though, of course. Um, but if you do that, you want to make sure you're checking for disease or, or pests before you bring them in because you probably don't want a whole bunch of bugs in your house. <laughs> and uh, Yep, I've learned that the hard way a few times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's okay to maybe have a few spiders and beneficials because they'll clean up whoever manages to escape your, your eye, right? But for the most part, try to keep the other guys out. Um, but something people don't think about so much is when you're bringing plants in, that have been outside that you want to transition them because the moisture and the temperature and the light's going to be different than it was outside. So try to do those changes gradually once you bring them in. So, you know, gradually turn your, if you're going to have grow lights or anything like that, have them turn on gradually longer instead of just going, bam, Hey, the days are shorter. Now it's longer. Um, And same thing with your moisture. The things hopefully will have been used to less water outdoors. So don't, overwater them when they come in so that kind of stuff because a lot of people mm-hmm. you know f- famous last words they've overwatered their plants indoors and that's what killed them <laughs> yeah so yeah just treat it like you're gonna do it you know come spring springtime when you're gonna take your indoor plants and transplant them outside is same thing for yeah, winter you're kind of reversing winters. it yeah you have to you have to give them you have to ease them into it <laughs> yeah like it doesn't i mean it doesn't have to take weeks to do but just over over so so many days or at least just get them used to it um another thing that's a good thing to do um on multiple levels is to do the repotting or dividing of of your uh plants in the fall 
because it just gets you in the habit. If it's your tender stuff, all right, even though it may not matter so much, it's just a good time to do it because you're other, you're not thinking about all the other stuff outside. Um, and then for your perennials, like your natives, that kind of thing, it's a, as they're, as they're going to sleep, it's a good time to split up the roots and that kind of thing. If you're trying to make more plants and also the repotting, um, generally native plants are in open ground. So when we do grow them commercially in pots, you need to make sure you follow the rule of having at least a, a square foot of soil around the roots going into winter. Otherwise they may not overwinter very well, native or not, because they do need that's that soil is what gives them a kind of a protective blanket against the temperature fluctuations, yeah, some insulation, moisture yeah. loss, all that kind of stuff. And so the less soil you have, the more fidgeting you have to do to keep those constant. So you'll have to water more. You'll have to probably get a blanket or mulch or whatever, because even a, a, a native plant can freeze with exposed roots and uh, not having much soil around it. So that's another thing. Um, uh, fertilizing. Yeah. Like yeah. kind of by now you probably don't want to be adding a whole bunch of more, you know, nutrient fertilizer stuff. Cause that's going to probably encourage it to like, cause I don't know, like some people think like, well, yeah, like I just want to make sure this thing survives over the winter. And it's like, well, if it's been healthy up to this point, yeah, I don't think you have to worry about really over, you know, <laughs> over fertilizing it because you can run into the issue of, oh, the plant thinks I'm going to start growing more new growth. And that mm -hmm. could be detrimental to if there's <laughs> when all the cold weather starts coming in. So, yeah, kind of by now, I don't think you really need to be uh, adding any more nutrients with, uh, you know, fertilizers. Um, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I think it depends. Like, you definitely don't want to be applying nitrogen at this point because, that, like you say, that's all the leafy yeah. top growth. And that will just totally get decimated by frost or whatever if it's outside. Um, and inside, the higher nitrogen will actually attract pests like the aphids and that kind of thing. Because they go, ooh, buffet for me. Thank you. But you can sometimes, depending on the plant, um, give it a little shot of uh, phosphorus or something because that actually helps with the root growth. So if, you're, if you do it early enough before the ground gets too cold, the plants can actually utilize a bit of that so that they're more well-equipped to get through the winter. But yeah, you normally don't have to do much in in uh, the fall before the winter, unless maybe you've got a large, like for the farmers or for a lawn or something like that. If you've got a really large area, you might do a light application of something or some of the farmers will actually put in um, like they're spreading their manure or something like that for to lie fallow, but then they're not doing anything with it for a season it's just sitting there and gradually absorbing into the surrounding substrate right so that's a little bit different than actually having live yeah. plants in it too so yeah so that um that's a good thing for going into fall and uh oh yeah one one of our favorites this is a good time to do your last round of weeding woo woo um <laughs> yep. because of course it uh can can help reduce the actual weeds, but also um, stop those weeds from producing seed, which then begets more weeds. So you've got less, less work to do in the spring. And now as the perennials are gradually going to sleep, leaves are dying back, it actually exposes a lot a lot of the weeds so that you can see them now instead of going, well, which of these is the weed, which of these is a plant, and some things are shielded by leaves and stuff, so you couldn't see them before. And as they kind of 
die back. And now you go, whoa, I didn't notice this thistle in here before. Where'd you come from? And uh, <laughs> so it's a good time to get rid of those things. And then you're farther ahead for the next season. Um, yeah, you were talking about mulch. So in certain situations, mulch can be bad. And in certain situations, mulch can be good. So some plants um, that are more of a Mediterranean or desert or, or prairie type of orientation, um, too much mulch for them can be a bad thing because they're used to having drier soils. You don't want their little root feet getting wet constantly throughout the winter by freezing, thawing, snow, and everything else. But um, there's many other plants like your woodland plants, your shade plants, your um, plants, your wetland plants. Those ones, if you don't have the adequate moisture available, you definitely can use some sort of mulch to help keep protect them and keep that moisture in the ground. And uh, I don't know if you've got something to say about some of the different mulches, Dan, or not, because I know you've been experiencing some of them over the summer. <laughs> yeah, we've been playing around with those. Um, yeah, like, I mean, as you were saying, um, yeah, some plants are going to like having mulch, you know, kind of a few inches off than compared to other ones because for those same reasons that, yeah, like, you know, some are just going to be wanting to keep that moisture in more so than some of these other ones that maybe aren't as hardy plants that aren't as hardy. But yeah, in terms of the different mulches, like, yeah, if you're going to have kind of the more thinner kind of almost like shaved wood uh, type look to them or like texture, like that kind of stuff, um, it's going to degrade a lot faster uh, versus kind of like the big bark big chunk like nuggets, bark. I guess, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's going to kind of determine how much moisture is really going to be held by that kind of mulch. So those are kind of some things to think about if you're going to mulch a whole bunch of areas. But again, the principle is still the same that, yeah, make sure you know what <laughs> what plants uh, prefer having the extra mulch around it and which ones don't and depending on how much well, too. Because, yeah, you don't want to overdo it with the mulch. Because, like, yeah. I don't know, typically for me, I say, you know, one to three inches is a good enough, like, amount for most things most that things. do like the mulch. And then, uh, and kind of, yeah, once you start kind of getting to, like, kind of the shrubs and the woody type stuff or the uh, things that are a little more hardy and can take the excess moisture, um, that's where I'm like, yeah, you can maybe bump it up to maybe four to six inches. But I'd say, yeah, if, <laughs> if you're getting to about half a foot at, like over half a foot, I'd say you're putting way that's too much. Even yeah, at that six-inch I mean, level, that's that's quite a bit. But yeah, yeah it really depends. Yeah, depends what you're what you're mulching. Yeah, because well, and, and part of it is is for weed control during the the growing season too. But uh, I mean, if it's if it's mm -hmm. too deep, you're now choking out the, your intended plants as well as the weeds. So it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, but there's also <laughs> a lot of um, a different kinds of mulches too, and depend again. A lot of it's to know your terrain and your plants because uh, for some plants, you may want something that is light and um, doesn't get too soggy over the winter, but breaks down quickly come spring because the plant may not need the mulch through the, the summer months. So something like chopped mm -hmm. up straw or something might work well there. But in other cases where you're wanting something like you're saying with the big wood chips versus the shavings, something that's going to to stay longer and not break down so quickly then yeah you might want those the big bark um chips and that kind of thing 
Um, there's also a lot of experimental people. Some people are using hemp now. Um, generally, it it's it's pretty fibrous, so it lasts longer than straw, but it still will break down over the course of just a couple seasons, like one or two seasons. So if you're wanting something quicker acting, uh, one issue that can come up with wood, um, as again, especially the the smaller, uh, more fine fibers of it is initially when it decomposes, it actually sucks nitrogen out of the soil before then as it finishes composting and then it actually puts the nitrogen back. So some people find if they were using it in their garden per se, it's like, oh, okay, well, how come now my garden plants aren't thriving? And it ends up, it's because the mulch is actually sucking some of that nitrogen out that the plants could have used. Um, it'll come back later. It's just delayed, right? But for a single garden season, that might not work very well. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you just want and and same thing. Um, I think a lot of people are getting away from rock mulches, um, especially after the summer we had, because especially the darker colors, it retains heat, and so it adds to the ambient temperature of the substrate. But it's uh. Hard, it's more for, for a drainage issue. It's harder to get, uh, well, you gotta, you gotta really water thoroughly to get under there to keep things moist. Right. But, um, again, it depends mm -hmm. on your use, just research what you're doing and what your plants are and what kind of soil. If you had a heavy clay soil, maybe you might want, um, something like that in there because you don't want it so soaking wet and you want it to drain more. Versus if it was a sandy soil already, it might be defeating your purpose. But um, but regardless, there are instances where the mulch in the fall can, you, you might want to top up an existing layer that's been breaking down, or you might want to put in some new mulch into some bare areas. Um, sometimes you might even, with more tender perennials, you might actually want to gently mulch right over the crown of the plant, just so that in the coldest temperatures, like our minus 30 with a blowing wind, the crowns don't get uh, frozen right off. Um, I know I, that I've overwintered things like lavender and rosemary, or not rosemary, uh, lavender and thyme and uh, oregano that way because they're kind of borderline. They can survive here if you're if you gently tweak things a little bit, but you can't just throw them out like our natives and say, "Okay, have at it," because they won't last that way. But um, yeah, <laughs> but because a lot of them are Mediterranean plants, they they don't want to be too wet. So you got to make sure you do something nice and light and fluffy, like some straw, and then make sure you peel it back as the spring comes, um, so they're not constantly wet in the spring rain, right? So yeah, so some things to think about there. Um, also, oh yes, of course your your yard cleanup. So a lot of people do the whole. Last mowing, um, they rake up or, or collect up all their grass clippings, um, all the leaves and that kind of thing. Um, and now we're coming to a point where maybe middle of the road might be better. So yes, you don't want your grass so long that it's going to attract voles and things like that. You don't want it to be folding over and possibly rotting on itself when the snow compresses it. Um, you don't want two feet deep of of leaves all over the place because it will start rotting and um, encourage pests. But having a little bit, um, your root growth generally goes with your top growth for your grass. So if it's constantly short, short, short over time, your roots get very short and it's 
a lot, you get a lot of winter. I mean, you see golf courses all the time, right? With all that winter kill that they get, or they've got a tarp over yeah. their greens <laughs> and all this kind of fun stuff because they don't have enough root growth for those plants to to go, sustain through the winter. So if you leave them a little longer, um, they can do a little better as well as catch some more snow. And then the other thing is for our native beneficials, like, you know, you've got ladybugs and beetles and all kinds of stuff that um, if they don't have those loose kind of substrates to overwinter in, then you're not going to have a new crop of them fighting off your pests come spring. So you might want to encourage them to hang out too. So I like to, like I say, I like to do a middle of the road thing where no, I don't expect people to have 10 feet deep of all kinds of stuff on their lawn. So definitely do some cleanup, but maybe not the pristine full golf course cleanup that people are used to because that actually might be detrimental. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Uh, no, that all sounded good. Yeah, my big thing, yeah, that you basically talked about was, yeah, if you are, yeah, kind of find that happy medium because, yeah, because um, I think a big thing, at least I've learned too, is um, if you don't clean up like a good chunk of your kind of, yeah, your lawn clippings and whatever kind of plant uh, leftovers, um, yeah, you can potentially have diseases and pests kind of come in and wreak havoc on some things. Uh, yeah, from personal experience, I know I've lost some <laughs> native plants in a certain area because I didn't clean up the excess debris and, or at least not as much as I probably should have. And yeah, some stuff kind of didn't survive because um, it got some pests and stuff in there. So anyways, no, but yeah, what you said, I think is yeah, exactly right. Trying to find that happy medium to not getting rid of all the debris because you want at least a little bit kind of left over for various functions. But then also, yeah, you don't want to completely. Um, uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And, well, and I mean, if you're if you're a person that likes things to be really tidy and clean or whatever, come spring, just just gradually start cleaning things away from your plants and your yard. And that way it gives your beneficials enough time to find alternate places as your other plants start growing for the season, right? Um, mm -hmm. But they just don't take away their homes right off the bat and don't take away all the cover for your plants either. Because uh, how many times have we had a late frost in the spring and people have, oh yeah, everything's great. They just strip everything bare, clean it right out, prune their, their um, you know, their winter killed growth back and all this kind of stuff only to find out, well, now you just killed it back farther because we have this late frost versus a lot of times if you leave some of that extra growth from the previous season on there, it actually will protect your plants until the new growth comes and until the temperatures balance out until we're free and clear of all those wonky possible frosts that we may still have. So um, another thing as we enter this, I mean, right now we're okay because have you noticed... Isn't it weird? We've actually been having some thunderstorms lately with hail and like the things that we would normally get in the summer are happening now and it's almost the end of September. Isn't that a little weird for you? Yeah, like we had a big storm yesterday and it didn't last super long, but we got a lot of rain and yeah, a lot yeah, of thunder. There's lightning, thunder and the whole everything. Um, but yeah, so maybe people... Yeah, usually that's like August. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's just... It's kind of eerie when it happens out of season because it's just weird. But anyway, um, so because of that kind of thing, people might not be thinking of this, but normally as we get into fall and potentially winter, um, it might be a while before 
things freeze up and we actually get the snow. So just keep in mind that even when nighttime temperatures are freezing, you might actually have to go out and water some things until they fully go to sleep and set in for the winter. Or if the ground becomes bare over the winter when we have some warmer periods, uh, because even though they're sleeping, the plants can dry out and die. Um, and this year, mm-hmm. the summer has been very dry. So even though our lawns and everything are greening up now because we've had some later rain, um, it's the ground is still quite dry. So you're going to want to make sure that uh, if some of your plants need it, you water them in right through till there's snow and freezing. And then throughout the winter, even um, anytime there's bare spots, shovel the snow onto your plants. There's, it's not going to hurt them at all. There's very few plants that um, will be harmed by snow cover. Uh, usually what will end up happening is it's the spring thawing. That's kind of what may do in some of the plants if they get too wet. But while it's frozen, you're not going to have a problem at all. So you can always scrape some snow away in the spring, but try to leave everything covered in the winter because um, it acts like a blanket. It protects things from all those fluctuations. Uh, I know down below our place in the in yeah, the like it's insulation, in the, but it's also yeah moisture too. So yeah, yeah, and and down below our place, like in the in the backwoods there, uh, down below in the bog, there are things that even though the snow is deeper there, they can grow because it's probably a warmer zone there than it is up here because of the blanket of snow insulates so well and protects from the wind and all that stuff. So it's just more constant. And when it's more constant, then your plants can uh, grow more predictably and survive better versus out in the open. I mean, down south where I came from, if your plants can survive there, they can survive anywhere because they had to put up with the fluctuating Chinooks and the wind and the snow and just everything changing, but it's out on the prairie, so it's open. Everything's all exposed. So that's why a lot of the plants that are down there, um, or up here, I mean, will not necessarily survive down there either because it's just, it's way too crazy, even as far as natives go. Um, Or the plants that do survive are very adaptive for growing in really dry soils or having um, advantages for the wind or or being able to have some root system that gets every little drop of water wherever they're at. So, but then the flip side to that is a lot of those plants do not like staying wet either because they will rot. Yeah. No, I was just going to say just a quick thing is um, just labeling stuff. Uh, Cause I know sometimes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I forget where I planted stuff uh, yeah. and then as uh, winter comes and then springtime comes after. Um, yeah. I kind of forget, Oh, something is popping up here or, I don't remember if something I planted uh, is, is it in this area or not? And then maybe, you know, I'll start digging up around that area and then accidentally get a little bit of root of something like, Oh, there was something there and not anymore. (laughs) Yeah. It really sucks when you're doing that with seeds. So you plant a nursery bed or something and you went all through this effort and maybe these are special ones that need stratification to, to grow and everything. And then finally, after all this time, they would be coming up in the spring, but you thought, hey, look, there's a bare piece of ground. I'll just go put something else in there and you dig it up again. And then all that work just goes out the window. So, or even your labels, <laughs> like if you do label things and the labels break off, right? That kind of sucks. I've got, I mean, I've still got plants here that's like, I, I know you're in this family. I just don't know specifically which species you might be. And you keep trying to ID it through the whole summer, throughout its growth period. And 
it's just it'd be nicer if it was just labeled right from the get-go and if your labels break or something happens just relabel them right away don't don't wait because it's convenient for you because later it won't be <laughs> yeah so. or even um because we used to do this too remember in the in the deeper snow have uh taller stakes because just because you can see it now with a light skiff of snow there could be a few feet of snow over that later and then you might be walking right across <laughs> where you've got things planted or in pots and uh could potentially be doing some damage but if you've got some marker stakes in there then you can still see them above the snow level as well mm -hmm. oh yeah this is an important one especially for i guess people in the city that are more prone to watering things uh make sure you shut off drain remove all your seasonal water features and your your watering systems so whether you've got um in-ground irrigation that needs to be um air flushed and make sure it's all all dry or whether you gotta gather up your hoses and put them away whether you're turning off your outsource uh, outdoor source of water for the winter uh, maybe you've got a little uh water pond or or bubbler or something like that which is just not big enough it's not going to go through the winter without freezing make sure it's all drained and cleaned up and put away because the last thing you need is to find out your water froze and pipes burst or hoses are broken or maybe you've got some concrete that cracked and split or who knows what um it always sucks if you have bigger bodies of water there's still some other things you can do um you might want to we were talking about leaving some of the leaves and stuff around the ground but in the bigger water bodies you want to actually clear out some of that uh detritus material because it it will decompose decompose very slowly through the winter because of the the cold temperatures but it will start forming a sludge and releasing that carbon dioxide and really not creating a good environment in your larger water bodies, especially if you've got fish or something in there. So try to keep at least a good portion of that cleaned out. And um, speaking of fish, if you've got smaller ponds, make sure you're scooping your fish out to bring them inside so they don't freeze solid. And again, if you've got larger yes. <laughs> areas, they can stay out just fine all winter as long as. Um, they've got either enough open water underneath the ice or you've got some sort of aeration uh, or heater system to keep some of the water open on top. So make sure those are working. And also remember to reduce the feeding if you're, if you're feeding uh, um, fish outside because as the winter progresses, their metabolism really slows down. So you could potentially be overfeeding them and then all that stuff turns to bacterial goop in your, in your water supply too, which is not good for your fish. Um, so those are some things to keep in mind. Um, do, 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 do. Oh yeah. There, are, well, especially with the natives, there are things you can plant in the fall. Aren't there, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, any of our established, like more mature, uh, native plants, um, as long as you give them a bit of time to get their roots adjusted so they're not too shocked, like, you know, maybe not plant them in a snowstorm. But um, to get them out in the ground, like now would be a great time because they won't even miss a beat. They'll be ready to go come spring and provide you with beautiful plants all summer long. Um, same thing with some of your bulbs. Yeah, like, like cone, you, like, yeah, like cone flowers, I think. 
do decent um and some grasses like and again yeah the big thing is like you got to make sure that they're established enough before you get all the very cold temperatures coming in um mm -hmm. to get those things surviving but yeah like something like cone like our purple cone flowers um i think black-eyed susans do they i thought they're pretty pretty hard to leave over the winter Oh yeah, well um, again, I guess it depends sure, too. Like, but anyways, if you're, uh, but then there's like throwing, stuff like reed grasses too. Yeah, and if you're if you're throwing seed down, a lot of the seed needs to be stratified. Um, so if you're going to put seed down, now might be a good time. However, it's that catch twenty two, and this is why we also grow the actual potted stock. Is sometimes the wild critters can eat a lot of seed. Um, obviously, not all of it germinates, no matter how how good you've planted it. Um, so sometimes a combination of potted and seed is a good idea, but if you are going to put seed down sometimes now, or even right into the snow, um, is good if you're trying to stratify seed. And then as far as the, um, the potted plants, if they're mature plants now, give them a bit of time to settle in or, um, as they go to sleep, it's also fine to put, you know, it might look like a stick, but the tree roots and everything are healthy. You can still plant um some trees and things in now as long as they're not in an active growth phase because they'll put all their efforts into just going to sleep and having root reserves for the winter. Um again, the big thing is just making mm -hmm. sure you're watering them adequately when they when they're planted. But yeah, there's lots of things you put in. And uh, I was saying the bulbs too. So you've got native ones like your alliums and your fertilities, um and you've crocus and that kind of thing. The bulbs can all be put in at this time of year. Your garden stuff like your garlic, your your other onions can go in. Um, and then that way they get a jump start on the spring growing period. Um, so there's a lot of stuff you can still plant at this time of year. And people don't usually think of that. Um, I'm still trying to, I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to educate people that, um, you know, after the May long weekend, you can still, with the native plants, there's still a whole season ahead of you. You don't have to go, okay, that's it. I'm done for the season. Because I've been finding a lot of people, they get that gardening thing going. And then once that May long weekend and their garden's in, they're like, um, yeah, okay. Well, I, I don't think I could, I could plant anymore now. I'm kind of, that's it. I'm done for the season. Um, but with the native plants, that's not the case. You can actually plant right till pretty much the ground freezes up, right? So as long as you plant, mm -hmm. um, like yeah, I say, not like, not the baby baby stuff, but you plant established plants and that kind of thing. So, which is another bonus to the natives: longer season, much longer season. Um, oh yeah, some of your, um, I guess your younger native plant stock that might be too tender to leave out for the winter, and also some of your borderline tender, like half hardy plants. Um, so some things that might need cold but not minus 30 cold you can also uh, potentially over overwinter in an unheated garage or something like that too as long as you don't forget about them and make sure you water them occasionally that's usually the biggest thing is people forget to water them and then come spring they're like oh i guess it dried out and died which is too bad but yeah a lot of times if you just give them <laughs> just enough water to keep the soil slightly dampish um then come spring or or when it starts to warm up enough for that plant, for that zone, then you can put them out and they'll just go about their business doing their thing. I'm actually trying to do that with the pawpaws right now because the pawpaws are really 
they're really cool because they're our most northerly tropical fruit. But at the same time, it's still kind of brutal out in Alberta for them. But I'm hoping yeah. that uh, <laughs> we can, you know, overwinter the younger ones somewhere because they still need the cold season to go to sleep and then wake up again in the spring. But overwinter them in the garage or somewhere like that, at least for the first bit, and to, to keep testing them how hardy they are before we put them out. Um, see how they do. They'll probably end up getting uh, mulched and burlap wrapped and planted in the middle of the orchard for more protection to see if how they do. But we're hoping maybe one day there'll be one of them that can make it out here. That'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think that's most of the things I I was thinking about for the uh, winterizing and transitioning from fall to winter as far as the plants in the yards go. Um, Anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I don't think so. Because, yeah, like you got most of the points I had, too, with uh, kind of all this stuff dealing with perennials and then stuff that's in pots and the mulching and, yeah, what to leave, what not to, and just finding that balance for many things. No, I think you kind of hit all the points I did, too. So, And I, th- and I think we kind of talked about when we were first starting all the podcasting stuff. Wasn't that like one of our first few episodes? Well, it was kind of more winter accessorizing, but I think we talked about some of the points of uh, winterizing your plants too in one in that episode. So, um, so yeah, as a callback, if you want to listen to our backlog of episodes, because I think we have enough now to kind of make that worthwhile for people, you can go back to the winterizing accessory podcast, and you'll probably get yeah, some cause, good well, cause uh, information there for a... starting to prep for doing that. Yeah, well, that's that's the beauty of these because they don't go anywhere. They're accessible to anybody all the time. So it's we're developing this kind of library of tools for you. So uh, throughout the winter now, as it as it when it gets uglier, you can go back and start from the beginning and listen through them again and get more information or catch up on the ones that you missed because you didn't have time through the summer and um, or pick pick whichever topic um, is most pertinent to what's going on in your life at the time and. Uh, hopefully we've got enough variety for everybody to to have something of value to give them some some new information or new insight on some things and keep you excited about the plants in particular the natives and the uh, regenerative landscaping idea um this is actually this will be our our 25th episode Ooh, it's kind of like exciting yeah just wait till we hit our 100 we'll have to have some big kind of online podcast party when we hit our 100th episode or something we'll do some do some giveaway or maybe have a have some uh listeners call in or i don't know do some play some game or something <laughs> i don't know just go crazy but but yeah we do appreciate everybody we'll tuning in because um, we've been getting well we just passed what is it, a thousand downloads now and uh mm-hmm. so it's i mean it's it's slow but it's 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 a good steady trickle and we appreciate your support. So keep listening, share us, like us, subscribe, all that there kind of stuff. And if you are a native plant aficionado or into uh, regenerative landscaping techniques, but by all means, contact us, uh, either myself at mmgardens.ca or Dan and Kevin at um, fescue. Is it just fescue.ca? Yeah. Yeah, fescue.ca is our website, and then me is dadams at fescue.ca. So, yeah, you'll find our info there. Yeah, because I keep wanting to say 
fescuenaturalization.ca, but I know that's that's your company name, but not necessarily the uh, the contact. But yeah, um, contact us because you know it, it might be interesting to have you as a guest on the show, or if you've got questions, or if you just want to chat outside of the podcast, that'd be wonderful. Because um, yeah, we just want to keep promoting the uh, the native plant scene and the regenerative landscaping for sure. Um, I also just wanted to add too that um, on and off throughout this next week, I am going to be out in the White Court WMU uh, area for we kind of do a all and everything trip usually this time of year. So the guys they go hunting and I go seed collecting and get some fishing in maybe if I'm lucky and uh, do a lot of nature seeing try to take some pictures that kind of thing so maybe i'll have the next time i record i'll have a list of some of the plants we've like this the seed stock we've collected and we can go over some more of the plant adventure guide with the specific plants or something like that um but yeah and then i have a feeling dan and kevin are gonna be up to some impish activities while i'm gone because while the while the cat's away the mice will play right so We'll see what kinds of things they talk about. Maybe they'll just talk about me. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll come back and find out that I've been replaced. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Oh, no. That doesn't sound good, Dan. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. And, uh, yeah, and hopefully we'll, we'll play on a social note. We'll play a little bit more music, too. Because uh, we were talking about the storms. Wow, that last gig that you weren't there for? It hailed. It was windy. It just really suddenly there was a storm that came out of nowhere, and the lightning and everything. So we had to we had to t- anything that was uh, plugged in, we had to shut her down. And so the last oh half half of the uh, the gig was probably acoustic. <laughs> it was uh, it was fun for safety but, concerns. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, understand. <laughs> you you do not want to get electrocuted stuck to an amp or a, a guitar or something that's for sure but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh but anyway yeah on that note um happy gardening happy listening um keep it regenerative and uh we'll see you next time all right bye-bye